Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's good to be with you again. Thanks to all of you who took part in our Christmas Eve services, who volunteered and set up chairs and made hot chocolate and brought a friend. It was a beautiful gathering, uh, biggest uh, uh, Christmas Eve services we've had since the pandemic. And so I appreciate you all being good inviters and caring enough to reach out to people uh, in need who want to be loved and want meaning in their lives and often are just waiting for an invitation. So good for you for being the kinds of people who do that. And for those of you who are far away, and I know there are folks who listen in from various parts of the country uh, and who were not with us on Christmas Eve, but who were uh, celebrating Christmas where you are. Uh, God bless you. We miss you. Uh, Hope you're well and uh, hope your holidays are beautiful. Happy New Year. Uh, we're uh, we're going to dive into a new series of teachings today that's going to go on for six weeks, and it's called Resolutions, because this is the time of the year in which people make New Year's resolutions. And often, resolutions are a time of preparing for the year to come, because we want ourselves to be different. We want ourselves to be healthier, or smarter, or better rested. And so we make resolutions, we make plans that will build health, or study, or good relationships into the year to come. And that's great, that's a good habit. I recommend doing it more than just at New Year's, but if now's the opportunity, great, we're gonna take it. What I wanna do over the course of the next six weeks is lay out some core practices, actually five of them, five core spiritual practices, which if a Christian puts these into into practice, they live a fulfilled life. And this has been so important for me because I remember growing up, uh, often feeling a sense that my faith was growing and that I was in a meaningful place, but but there were people around me who were not having that experience. And uh, when I became a pastor, often uh, telling me I needed to fix it for them. I remember uh, one couple sitting in my office many years ago, this is not at this church, a previous church, sitting in my office and basically saying they were they were bored and I needed to plan more events and activities for them because that was my job. And what they were really looking for was not a pastor. What they were looking for was a cruise line director. They wanted a, a cruise line host to put on a new show so that they could be entertained for a new season. Well, what I want to give us in this series is five core practices, which if we do them, will put us in a place of such fulfillment and meaning that we're never thinking, I'm bored, I just need somebody else to entertain me. So that's what we're going to do. In particular today, I want to talk about how important this is that we do this right now, because 2024 is going to be a year of challenge. And, And if we don't start this year by thinking about what it takes to live a faithful, devoted Christian life through the course of this year, this year is going to rattle us. And so today I'm going to talk about prophecies for the year 2024 and how we might best prepare for this year. And that will set us up for the next uh, five weeks after this to talk about core disciplines of the Christian life. If you give me these six weeks, I'll set you up well for 2024. All right. And that's the job of a pastor. Let me, let me pray for us. 
Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that everything that's going to happen in 2024 is already in your hands, that we need not worry about this year because the year belongs to you, that we need not become angry when storms come about because the storms are in your hand. You are the Lord of the wind and the waves. And so we place our hearts wholly in your hands. We, we trust you. Uh, we give you our lives. We don't worry for our lives. We don't fear for losing our lives. All of it belongs to you. All of life is an act of trust in the God who made us. And so now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As we set goals for the new year, as we make resolutions, what we're doing is we're naming what's most important to us. And I, through the course of my life, have, have sort of had an inclination towards distilling things down towards the main point. Um, I, I've never been a person of many words. You may not know that if you only know me as a preacher. Uh, I am not a person of many words. I once uh, had lunch with somebody, and I had so little to say that they said, uh, having lunch with me was like having lunch by yourself. <laughs> uh, um, I, I tend to distill things just down to the main point points. And that's, that's kind of, that's why my sermons can be 20 to 30 minutes instead of 45 to an hour. And, uh, I remember in my younger years thinking, I kind of get what the main point of life is. I remember in my college years when I was going through a, a season of ambiguity about whether or not there was a God and who God was. I remember thinking to myself, if God is there, that changes absolutely everything. And I read the holy books from all the various religions, the, the Bible and the Quran and the Book of Mormon and the Vedas and the Bhagavad Gita, searching with just an American pragmatism, is there any reason anybody should believe in any of this? And that actually helped strengthen and bolster my faith and bring me back to Jesus. But I knew if there's a God there, that's the most important question. I have to answer that one first because it shapes every other question. After college, in the year after college, I, I began a search, or I, I deepened a search, to actually hear from God. And I remember climbing up to the top of a mountain that's up in Northern California. Unfortunately, it's named Mount Diablo. I hope that was not a sign for things to come. But I climbed up to the top of Mount Diablo because it was a, a mountain near my home where I was living at the time, and I climbed up to the top of the hill to pray. And I remember sitting at the top of that hill and, and praying to God, if you're there, just speak to me. I do not want to play games with you. I do not want a guessing game of faith. Just speak to me. And that is probably the most deep and sincere prayer of my life. Because if God is there, and if God will speak to us, that defines all else. There's no reason why we need anything else. If the God of the universe will speak to us, that defines everything else we do and all of who we are. Later, I became a pastor, and uh, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, one of my pastorates was in a church in Hawaii, which was uh, a beautiful decade of my life. We loved Hawaii, loved the people, loved the culture, obviously, loved the church. It was a tremendous church. I had a great season of experience in developing uh, as a minister to students out there. And there was a night, and I distinctly remember this night, where I, I sat down and tried to distill down to a sentence the purpose of my life. Now, the purpose of all of life is to love God and other people. Jesus says that himself. That's the, that's the goal. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. But, but I wanted a, my specific tagline of who I was and what I was going to do. And I remember thinking, if I could see the world through God's eyes and tell people what God is seeing, that would be a good purpose. 
that's what I should do. That's that's the the core distilled description of who I want to be in one sentence. Um, and I didn't know the language back then, but a lot of what I was talking about in saying, God, I want to uh, hear from you. God, I want to see the world the way you see it. I want to tell the world what you're seeing. A lot of that is just the language of the prophets. If you read the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures, that's what they were doing. That's what they wanted. Uh, sometimes they didn't want it, but they couldn't resist it. It was so deep on their hearts, they couldn't get away from it. That's what the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 3, to pray for. Pray for the gift of prophecy. Pray that you'll hear God, because there's nothing more important than that. Pray that you'll see the world through God's eyes and pray that God will put you in a place to tell the world what God sees. And so that's been at the heart of my identity and my pursuits in life of faith. So in this, in this series now, I want to look at the coming year. I want to look at 2024 because I, I believe it's going to be a year of upset. And I want to talk about where God is and what 2024 looks like to God uh, before we even get there. Uh, I want to start by uh, reading a passage from the book of Jeremiah. And if you don't know the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is one of the prophets, and he, he's called one of the major prophets. The major prophets were just longer prophetic books in the Hebrew scriptures. There's about five of them, and then there's about 12 minor prophets because they're all shorter. And Jeremiah was one of the major prophets. And Jeremiah arose in a season where Israel had had its own kingdom under King David. They had come out of slavery in Egypt, built their kingdom, and they were a powerhouse. And under Solomon, they were rich, and they were famous, and people from all around came to see the wealth and power of, of Israel. But there was a, a season where they were not faithful to God. And they turned away, and they began to worship the gods of the surrounding nations. They became polytheistic. They became syncretic. They would worship uh, idols, and try to blend that in with the Hebrew religion. And God sent prophets to warn the people, if you turn to other gods, if you fail to worship me alone, I will surrender you into slavery in Babylon again. You've been in slavery before, and now you think you're untouchable. If you are not faithful to me, I will surrender you into the hands of Babylon. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Jeremiah was one of the prophets who prophesied just before the exile into Babylon. He actually went with the Israelites into Babylon, and he warned them what was coming, often with very harsh oracles about what was to come, and with symbolic uh, performances. He takes a big uh, clay pot and shatters it in a, in, a, in a public square, and you can imagine everybody stopping to look and go, what was that? And then he begins to prophesy about how God is going to shatter the nation that's not faithful. Uh, and he has several such behaviors and, and perform they're really uh, artistic performances that call people's attention to the message that he's preaching. And he's warning them of what's to come. So when we read the prophets, we shouldn't be surprised that our reaction is, that's a good message, kind of a weird messenger. A good message, weird messenger. That might be what you think when you listen to me. I don't know. Good, good message, weird messenger. But that's, tr that's true of the prophets. That's a good description of the prophets. Uh, but God says... Uh, and promises in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 7, uh, Amos prophesies uh, under God's guidance, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And that's a good description of Jeremiah. God reveals his plan to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah tells the people, here's what's coming. And this is how the prophecy goes. Babylon is a foreign empire that comes against Israel. They'll enslave them. They'll knock the temple down to the ground. They'll level it. Um, uh, they'll have to go back and, and rebuild it again in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And Jeremiah comes with hard words often 
about the, the consequences of their unfaithfulness, but often with a promise that God will redeem Israel in the end. He's not going to abandon them. He's not going to give up on them, but they're going to have to go through a season of discipline before he restores them. Often the prophets are then persecuted. Jeremiah at one point in the, in the story is beaten up. People make threats on his life. They make plans to kill him. He is so uh, racked with anguish because of what he has to go through that he tries to stop prophesying. He curses the day that he was born because he's a, a prophet and has to carry this message. So persecution often accompanies the prophecies. And, and what, what people don't realize is the prophet is not advocating for what he wants. He's telling the people what God's saying that God is going to do. So the prophet is persecuted for something that is not, not his. He's just the messenger. And when the sh people go to shoot the messenger, the messenger curses the day he was born because it's not his message, but he can't help but deliver it. And that's the story of the prophets. They're not advocating for what they say is coming. They're just telling people uh, what God is going to do. And so you have to imagine Babylon is coming. God is telling Jeremiah, tell them I'm going to, I'm going to have them fall to Babylon, but Babylon's going to destroy Jerusalem. They're going to go off into slavery. And not only that, tell them not to fight against Babylon. Tell them they're going to go off into Babylon. That's just the way it is. And instead of fighting against Babylon, they need to settle there. They need to get married there. They need to raise their kids there. And they need to pray for Babylon. And as God blesses his people, Babylon will be blessed through them. And as God answers their prayers and blesses Babylon, they will be blessed through Babylon. And tell them to accept that message. So you have to imagine, Jeremiah was seen as a horrible traitor. He was seen as an enemy to the nation and an enemy to the people. He was not a patriot because he was promising that a foreign nation was going to win the fight and that the people should just accept it and go along with it. And there were other prophets, false prophets of the day, saying, no, 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 God's going to deliver us. We're going to win. That's how it is. And people loved the false prophets because they were giving messages people wanted to hear. So the people turn against Jeremiah thinking, this isn't God. He's just a traitor. He's got some ulterior motive. He's, he's working for the enemy. He, maybe they're paying him. And so we should persecute him. But in the end, the prophecy is always confirmed in what actually happens. And sure enough, Babylon does come in. They do level Jerusalem, including the temple. They do take everyone off into slavery for decades where they will actually thrive because God continues to take care of his people. Now, in the midst of all this, Jeremiah has uh, a few positive words, just a few. And I want to read you one of them right now. This is one of the positive prophecies of Jeremiah for his people when he's warning them that bad times are coming, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a promise that comes from God. And it's in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. So if you've got your Bible, read along with this. <clears throat> but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is a word for us as we face what I think will be a challenging year. 2024, I'm afraid, is going to be like, uh, if you look over the last couple of decades, there are a couple of years where if I name them, if you've been paying attention, you know they were hard years. 2020 was a hard year because of the pandemic. 2016 was a politically difficult year and a difficult season. 
2008 was a banking crisis and a massive recession. A lot of people lost their homes in that season. 2001 was the terrorist attacks in New York and uh, a horrible moment in the history of America. Right, there are a few years where if I name them, the first event that comes to mind is this, this challenge year. I think 2024 is gonna be one of those years. Uh, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But, but this, is, this is the framework that the Bible gives us, that the prophets give us, and we should, we should think of it this way. If you and I are followers of Jesus, we know that we're not home yet. Our home is in another world. God has prepared for us a beautiful place. Jesus promises, in the Gospel of John, he promises, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my, in my Father's mansion, there are many rooms. I'm going to go make a place just for you. Our, our home is yet to come. So America's not it. We're not home yet. This is a temporary home. America is a Babylon. We're in slavery in a foreign kingdom that's not yet home. And that's not to speak ill of America. America is the best Babylon in the world, but it's still Babylon. It's not home. If you think America is the promised land, you don't realize how good heaven is going to be. Heaven is going to be so much better than anything we know. This is temporary. This is not our home yet. And so we are planted in this Babylon to thrive here, to pray for Babylon, that God would bless it through us, and that as it is blessed, we would be blessed as well. We're, we're put in this temporary ground to thrive here. And the promise of Jeremiah is, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So here are, here are some prophetic words for the year to come. Um, and I've honestly had a, a vision and a dream about this, this year uh, that I'll tell you more about in weeks to come. Um, but this is how I think things are going to shake out. I think <clears throat> starting in March, uh, things are going to get very difficult in the political landscape of America. And I think there are going to be some very difficult um, uh, court proceedings. Um, and I think uh, the the two primary candidates we see running for president at the end of this year now um, may, may not make it to the end of the year as the main candidates. There are going to be significant shakeups. And what it's going to feel like is when you're watching a horse race and you're, you're betting on one of them, but first your, your horse is in the lead and then it falls back and an, another one's in the lead. And then a third one comes out of nowhere and it's in the lead. And then a fourth one takes the lead and you can't tell who's going to win and you can't tell how the race is going to end because there's so much switching back and forth. And I think this is gonna be a year of upsets, which will come uh, with uh, political turmoil, not political turmoil, cultural turmoil. People will not uh, react well in all this. We already saw in the midst of a pandemic how people are immediately attracted to conspiracy theories for which there's little or no evidence, and they have real trouble filtering truth from lies. Uh, and we may all be thinking about different people as I say that. But I think this is another year in which confusion is going to reign. Uh, Jeremiah says that in times of drought, good trees continue to bear fruit. I think 2024 is going to be a year of drought, but not physical drought, a drought of common sense. Uh, and this is a warning. This is like the prophet Jeremiah. This is a, a challenge. It's going to be a hard year, but God's people should not be afraid. Uh, I'm not the only one saying these kinds of things. I don't know if you've seen it already, but there's already a trailer out for a movie that's coming out in April called Civil War. And it's not about the one we already had. 
it's a dystopian futuristic movie about states seceding from the union. And so there are already people speculating about the hard year that is to come. There are all kinds of um, uh, upsets that are gonna happen this year, both nationally and internationally. Um, and I actually had a dream about the 2024 inauguration uh, and I've, I'm not politically inclined. I don't support a party. I don't advocate for candidates. That's not, we're not that kind of church. And uh, I have never dreamed about anything political in my life because I just don't invest any hope in Caesar. All my hope is in Christ. But I had a dream in which I saw a, a man's hand on the Bible uh, at the 2024 inauguration and the camera panned back and I saw who it was. And it wasn't who I expected. And so... Um, We'll see. I wrote it down so I can confirm. Sometimes dreams are just dreams. You don't know, right? Sometimes dreams are just dreams. Uh, but I have a feeling uh, this year might not go the way many people are expecting. And I'll say more about that in Seasons Come. Ooh, that was, that was, you're, you're going to tune in now. It's going to be hard to tune out. Uh, I'm going to be leading a seminar here at the church for those who are local on Wednesday nights, three Wednesday nights in a row, starting on the 10th, talking about the relation of church and state, talking about how a Christian ought to deal with political issues. And again, because I am not a political advocate, it's not going to be like those churches that are up there telling you who to vote for. I'm going to tell you how to be a faithful follower of Jesus who loves their neighbor and loves their enemies in times of turmoil. I'm going to tell you how to be a faithful follower of Jesus who doesn't seek to cancel everyone they disagree with. And that's going to be the seminar we do for three weeks uh, here uh, on the weekends. The, the focus of this year should not be the chaos around us if you believe in Jesus. The focus of the year should be this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. We're not yet home, but in this place that we are planted, we still thrive because we stay close to the God who nourishes us. So real simply, here are two ways to flourish in times of drought. Here are two ways that we're going to continue to thrive in years like 2024. First of all, as a follower of Jesus, listen to his voice more clearly and intentionally than any other voices. Let his voice be the loudest in your ears. Jeremiah heard God speaking so clearly that God's voice drowned out the voices of the world around him. In fact, at moments where he tried to, uh, to stop listening, to, to stop prophesying because of the persecution he endured, he just couldn't. He could not drown out the voice of God. This is what he says. He says, if I say I will not mention God's word or speak anymore his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many people whispering, denounce him. That's Jeremiah, denounce Jeremiah, denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip up saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. For Jeremiah, God's word and God's promises are stronger than anything else. And if you and I want to flourish in times of challenge and threat, 
God's word should be stronger than any other voice. I remember when I was a student minister years ago, and uh, we did these games and activities with students, sometimes which had a point, sometimes not. But we did an activity which had a point in which we took a student who volunteered and blindfolded him. And then I told the students, now scatter the furniture all over the room, put everything in a different place than it was. And they made a, just a wreck of our, our youth room. There were foosball tables lying on their sides and pool tables turned upside down. It, it was a wreck. And then I said, now the student is going to have to walk his way across the room and nobody can touch him. Nobody can hold his hand. All you can do is call out directions. And here's the deal. You can call out whatever directions you want. And so he started finding his way through this messy, wrecked room with chairs lying around. There was stuff all over the floor. And people were yelling out bad directions because they wanted him to trip. People were yelling out bad directions to try to steer him into a wall. And he walked through that room blindfolded and he didn't touch a thing. He was absolutely unfazed. He walked through I thought maybe his blindfold wasn't on right. And when he was done, I said to him, how did you do that? And he said, oh. I only listened to the voice of my girlfriend because I knew she wouldn't hurt me. And that's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. If his voice is louder in your ears than any other voice, you're listening to someone who loves you, who cherishes you, whose will for you is only good. He will not hurt you. Jeremiah will say in chapter 29, God has plans for you, plans to bless you and not to harm you. Listen to his voice and his alone. Jesus will say in the Gospel of John chapter 10, I'm a good shepherd and the sheep know my voice. They listen to me and they follow me. If we listen to the voice of Jesus, if it's louder in our ears than any other, then the voices of the world around us are drowned out. We do this first by reading the scripture, by knowing what the voice of God sounds like. And then in prayer, we listen to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit guides us. There was a, a moment in a, a woman's life where she was in a hospital bed. She was in a, a late stage of cancer uh, and the, the days were, were coming to an end. And her pastor went to visit her. And she was there in the bed. Um, she'd lost weight. She had a bandana around her head because she'd lost her hair. The pastor sat and talked with her for a little while. And then he said, you know, you seem like you're in a, a really good mood. Uh, he said her eyes were bright. And she said, oh, I know where I'm going. And that's someone for whom the voice of the kingdom was louder than the voice of the world. We flourish in times of trouble when God's voice is loudest in our ears. We're not going to be voices of anger and anxiety this year because we're listening to the God who loves us and who calls us to love lost people in a broken world. We're not going to be voices that lash out angrily at those who disagree with us because we follow the one who told us to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. We, as followers of Jesus, don't have to worry about the fact that the world around us is a mess because we don't receive our nourishment by reaching out our branches into the context around us. We receive our nourishment by digging roots deep into the soil and thriving off the God who provides for us. So much so that the world around us will look at us and say, how are you staying green in all this? How are you not freaking out like the rest of us? What is wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with us. We're being nourished by the one who has the power to still the wind and the waves. We're being nourished by the one who laid the foundations of the earth. 
2024 is not a threat to God, and it shouldn't be a threat to followers of God. So the first thing we do is listen to God's voice and make sure that it's louder in our ears than anything else. Secondly, when we're in Babylon, when the world's a mess, when we're in a desert, we live the life that God has prescribed for us and not the life that the people around us are living. Uh, another prophet who went into slavery in Babylon was Daniel. And Daniel uh, went through this, this period where he fasted for 21 days and ate sort of a strict uh, minimalistic vegetarian diet to say, I'm not going to be absorbed into the Babylonian culture and its practices and habits. I'm going to remain separate from Babylon so as to continue to follow after God. Uh, Jeremiah has, says that a tree in a, in a desert that is, is rooted correctly has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And we are going to bear fruit in the desert because we are nourished by the one who provides for us. We are going to bear fruit by continuing to live by the life that God has prescribed for us. And the Bible lays out for us what the fruit of the Spirit should be when we're rooted in Jesus and living the life that He has for us and not like the lives of the people around us. The fruit of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. We live by the prescriptions for life that God has for us and not the way the world around us is living. So I want to call us to a fast starting in a week from now. If you're listening on the day, uh, that on the weekend that I'm preaching this, we're going to start a fast on, I believe it's January 7th. The that That's uh, Sunday of the church, uh, not December 31st, but January 7th. And for 21 days, we're going to fast. If you've never done this before, a fast is an act of abstaining from something to help you focus on prayer. Traditionally, it's fasting from food in one way or another. Uh, you can talk to a doctor if you have any medical issues surrounding diet. Uh, but a Daniel fast is a vegetarian diet. So many of us at the beginning of the year in January will fast for 21 days and eat just a strictly minimalistic vegetarian diet, not all the rich foods that we had at Christmas, uh, and, uh, and focus our lives on prayer. And every time you have to adjust and think about your diet, you're reminded what nourishes me is the God of all creation. And I'm thankful for him. And I'm going to be faithful to him. And I'm going to bear fruit because of him. So in just a week, you can begin preparing your, your menus and your shopping list uh, if you're going to fast. Some people will just fast from, for instance, social media, which is a great thing to fast from because it feeds us in all kinds of ways that aren't good for us. Some people will just fast from a specific food like desserts or coffee. Uh, all that is fine and good. You can decide that for yourself. But through the course of this series and through the course of January, uh, for 21 days, we're going to fast and be reminded that in this year, when people are nourished by all kinds of destructive voices, we're nourished by the voice of Jesus. Uh, the ways that God promised us uh, we will flourish, I can summarize in a single story. There was um, a, a season, this was during the pandemic, where I was taking part in uh, prayer meetings every week. And often they were on Zoom. Uh, and I was praying with people who were scattered around, sometimes in different parts of the country. And the way it would work is there'd be about three of us, sometimes more, on a, on a Zoom call together, and uh, somebody would call in and pray. Um, and this was a particular meeting. This was, this was a little bit different. Uh, we were praying specifically for a Christian missionary who was working in a majority Muslim country. Couldn't even say what the country was uh, publicly because it'd get him in trouble. 
but he was working leading Muslims to Christ in a Muslim-majority country in the Middle East. And so we were on a prayer call with him. And uh, I was invited to sit in this call, and I was, I was new to this, so uh, I didn't know if I was supposed to, to speak or just kind of listen. This was a new circle for me. So the call was about an hour long, and for about half an hour, I just listened. I listened to the other people in the room pray for this guy and pray blessings for him and pray over his life and his safety. And then about half hour, a half hour in to the, the prayer session, I had this sort of like a daydream. Now, this is going to sound weird, and that's just true of the prophets. Uh, a good message, weird messenger. I had this sort of a daydream, and it was an image of a tree with fruit on it. And sometimes things just float through your brain and they don't mean anything at all. But I was in the middle of a very intense prayer session and I thought, well, I'm going to say this out loud and maybe I'll just sound like a weirdo. And I said to this missionary, I said, I, I, I'm seeing a tree and I think it's a date tree. Although to be honest with you, I don't know what a date tree looks like. So I don't know how I know that. I don't know if dates even grow on trees or bushes. I don't uh, and I, for some reason, I think the dates on this tree are sweet. And I don't know how I know that because I've never eaten a date before. Now, I have since then, so don't mail me any dates. I don't want your dates. I've already, I've done it. That's fine. But, uh, but I said, I think these dates are sweet. And then I said to him, I said, now, as I say this out loud, I think this is a pun. And I think the word date is a play on the word like dates on the calendar. And I think what God wants you to know is he's going to provide for you things that nourish you by scheduling dates on your calendar that you need. And I told him, honestly, I have no idea what that means. That's just what came into my head and I just thought I'd say it. And we went on and prayed for another half an hour. I didn't say another word because I felt really stupid after that. And we prayed for another half an hour. And when we said amen at the end, the missionary that we were praying for immediately said, I wanna go back to that date thing. And we all said, okay. So he went back to half an hour before from this comment that I made. And he said, where I live, people like to carry dates with them because if you're traveling through the desert, if you're, if you're on a long journey, dates preserve well and they're very nourishing. They're very good for you. And they are sweet. And then he was kind of mad at me that I'd never tried a date before because they're so popular where he's from. I've had one since then. Uh, they're fine. Um, and he said, they, they're very important because they, they preserve well over long periods of time. They nourish you so you can travel a long way with them without a new source of food if you're carrying dates. And he said, as a matter of fact, I am trying to schedule dates on my calendar to meet with churches to ask them for financial support so I can continue with my mission work in the Middle East. And I'm having trouble right now getting those dates on the calendar. So the promise that God would provide dates on the calendar for me, which will provide nourishment for my long missionary journeys the way dates, the fruit, provide for people who are traveling. He says, that's very important to me. And maybe that's a little bit, maybe that's a little bit of prophecy. God wants to speak into our lives beautiful promises of how he will provide for us and take care of us in times where we are in need. If we will make his voice louder than all the voices around us and live by the principles that he calls us to, instead of all the anger and anxiety that the world lives by. He will provide for us exactly what we need so that we can live lives on mission for him. So that in this, this Babylon of this world that we live in, we can continue to make the name of Jesus known 
so that all the world will see and know him. And that's the calling for you and I in 2024. Over the course of the next five weeks, I'm going to talk about five practices of the Christian life, which if we keep them, will help us navigate the challenges of the year to come. Just give me the next now five weeks and let's prepare for what, what's coming in this season. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know us. And thank you that you want to speak to us. I ask that for whoever out there is reaching out to you, especially as they fast and cut off false voices and distracting voices, I ask that you would speak clearly. Speak into our hearts that we might know you, that we might see visions, that we might dream dreams, that we might be led by your spirit. Jesus, as we face this year of potential challenge. May we sink down deep roots in your love and in your word. Make good on your promise that we would remain green and bear fruit in times of the desert. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Looking forward to doing this year with you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.